You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of the new day, the privilege to share fellowship, and most importantly, to hear you speak to us through your word. May you come into our lives in a fresh way this morning. Open our ears and our hearts to receive your word, that by them we may live unto our own and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, dear um, brothers and sisters <laughs> in Christ, once again, my privilege to stand before you this morning to share with you the Word of God. You know, in His promises and the Gospels and the risk that is involved. I come from Nigeria once again. And um, I have cancer and a chemo brain to remind you of what I said last week. Uh, so I have um, two things that will make me not connect with you very well. <laughs> and cancer brain and the accent that is in me. Yet I believe the Lord to speak to us and to speak to us graciously this morning. Um, the promises of God, uh, promises of the gospel and risk. Coming from Nigeria, we know that um, risk is, is just like part of our life. You know, and so for us who are Christians already, you know, you live in a situation of uncertainty. You live in a situation where daily violence is somewhere taking place just around you. Daily somebody is being killed, not because they've done anything wrong. You know, daily someone is looking for someone to attack because of their faith. You know, so it becomes a very difficult situation for you to, um, to maneuver in the sense that you, you either choose to you know, remain true to the word of God and its promises of salvation or you give up. And then lose your eternal destiny at the end of the day. I mean, uh, eternal life at the end of the day. But, so it's it's a decision you must take. You know, because certainly it is true that whether I die through some attack, you know, the machete of somebody, the AK-47 of somebody, the sword in somebody's hand or some knife in somebody's hand. 
try. Don't die by that. Someday you will die anyway. And then there is something that <laughs> goes on after that death. Life eternal. So what do I die for? What must I die for? God has promised us eternal life. He has promised me salvation. He's promised you and I salvation. So we'll be looking at the promise of salvation or eternal life this morning. The promise of salvation or eternal life this morning. And I ask the question, what moves you as parents to care for your children? What is it that moves us as parents to care for our children? Why do we care for them? What moves us to giving them education and the best we can afford to give them? Why do we educate our children? This is on the school class, so we can talk. We can answer. Love. Love. Love, Love for them. Alright? Love moves us to care for them. Alright? And then we give them the best we can give because we hope that they have the best in life. As we are enjoying, or as we have had. We want them to have the best in life too. And to have a better future. Not just, you know. And then what moves us to praying and desiring that they be the best, you know, around. That our children be the best around. The best in life. Why do we pray for them? Why do we desire them to be the best as they live on through life? You know, I mean, we have reasons. Different reasons for that. The desire for them to be useful to themselves. The desire for them to be useful to humanity generally. The desire for them to end up well in life. And the desire to them for them we want them to earn eternal life too, especially as Christian parents. We want them that at the end of life they have eternal life. At the end of this life, they walk into eternal life. They find salvation. Just as we are hoping to find salvation. Now so how happy or sad are we? How happy are we when they reject our teachings and reject our counsel and reject our, you know, <laughs> you know, advice to them. How happy are we? As parents, are we happy? When our children refuse to listen to us? Trust in the Lord. Yeah. We trust in the Lord. We get sad. You know, because no... Yeah. Frustrated. Yeah, frustrated. Really frustrated. Alright? Now, so, how do we have reasons? Because no sane parent is ever happy when their children reject their teachings, when they reject their counsel and advice. It grieves the heart, and very badly so, alright? Gives us heartache and headache. Some people get hypertension as a result of that. The blood pressure rises because children wouldn't listen to them. We get to be so sorrowful, alright? Now so, now so, and what gives us joy or makes us sad as we watch them grow? What is it that gives you joy when you watch your children grow? They grow into what you, fruitful. Yeah, yeah. Yes. right. And in the ways of the world, hopefully in the ways of the Lord. Good, especially in the ways of the Lord. You know, when you see them growing the way of the world, 
Your hearts are grieved. They are grabbed by some sorrow. You know? And we feel really bad. Very, very bad. You know? Because as Christians, our greatest joy is when we see our children grow in the fear of the Lord. When we see them as the relevant, that you have educated them, and they are not misusing their education, but using the education to add value to human life and to society. That makes us happy as parents. It makes us people who desire to see them, you know, grow more and more in everything they do. It gives us joy. It gives us fulfillment. You know, it makes us, really makes us people who would want to tell about our children. We would want to introduce them. You know, you want to announce them to the world. You, you go to a meeting with your friends and, you know, people, other people, and say, meet my daughter, meet my son, you know, because we are proud of them. You don't just do that if they were not really doing what is good, because someone will meet them somewhere anyway, someday. When he introduces them, when he announces them, you are opening them up to publicity. And so someone will meet them up somewhere. And then they will see the way they are living their lives and wonder if um, this person is worthy of being introduced. Or sincerely affirm the fact that your introduction of them was really deserving. Because they are living well and living as unto the Lord. You know, so that's very important. Now, so when we look at the gospel in Matthew chapter 3, and then in John chapter 3 verse 16 again, the promise of salvation, it says, or reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then going down, you know, I mean, um, forward a little bit, John 3, I mean, John 6, 37 to 40 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I should not see, I mean, I should lose nothing. But should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have a everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. All of humanity has been promised salvation. It's not salvation, is not, it's not promised the Americans and denied the Nigerians. It's not promised the Arabs and denied, you know, the, 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 the Europeans. Salvation has been promised to all of humanity. You know, it has been offered to us freely. All of us. But it is not everything offered to us that we accept. Is that true? Alright? It is not everything that is offered to us that we accept or we receive. We are still at will to take or not, accept or reject. From John 3.16, we notice that three things moved God to offer us salvation. What are those things? What did we see in the passage? For God so... What? Loved who? The world. 
And who is the world? You and I. The love of God is on you and I. God so loved you and me. And because of that love, what did he do? He guessed his one and only son. Alright? His one and only son. Why did he, why did he give him? So we would believe. And if we believe, what will happen to us? Or I we will not perish in the first place. Number one thing is that we will not perish. Alright? But then we will have eternal life. Because God loves so loves us. He doesn't want us to perish, but wants us to have eternal life. Those are the three things. He loves us. Does not want us to perish. He wants us to have what? Eternal life. That's why he sent his one and only son into the world. So that all of us may live. And not just live here and now, but there and after. Afterwards, are we there? And beyond this life, you and I will continue to live. We would live on eternally. Jesus said, All the Father gives me will come to me. But if the example of Saul turned poor <laughs> is anything to go by, then we know that it is not easy for all that the Father gives gives him to come to him. Right? Was it easy for Saul, who turned poor, to go to Christ? It wasn't really easy. It was a very difficult task. It took Saul being beaten down by the power that was superior to him. Right? It took the Holy Spirit really knocking him down. It knocked him down very well. And asking, you know, we're leading him to asking, Who are you, Lord? This is what he would never have said ordinarily. But when the Holy Spirit hit him down, and he became he disarmed, completely strengthless, completely helpless, he recognized that there was a Lord behind this power. And said, Who are you, Lord? Acts 9 5. Who are you, Lord? Alright? To come to Jesus. That's what it took him to come to Jesus. To recognizing a power that, or encountering a power that is greater than him. Alright? And before he finally turned his life in, he had to remain blind for three days. We don't know. If he had had his sight immediately, we don't know whether he would have really gone to Jesus. <laughs> Going through an emergency and a presumably shocked, orchestrated, forceful fasting. You know, you couldn't eat for three days. Right? It was an emergency fast. You know, and like, I mean, we don't know. He couldn't just decide, I mean, food was no more the thing again. It was beyond eating food. Alright? And then, you know, he needed to go through a prayer therapy organized for him by the Lord God himself. Who organized that prayer therapy? The Lord God. He said Ananias. He had positioned somebody to pray for him. Right? He had positioned somebody to pray for him, Ananias. To pray for him still in Acts 9. Alright? Now friends, so it's not easy that all of us that the Lord has given to Jesus will go to him easily. It's not it's not just as easy. Salvation is there for me and you. And Jesus is willing to receive you and I. Or you and me. But is it easy for us to just go to him? 
you know, some of us like the early disciples, they have come to Jesus without struggles. It's possible that I was born in a Christian family and suddenly I found myself there and I'm going to church and indeed fall in love with Christ personally without any struggles at all. Alright? But a good number of us openly would have rejected and contested the offer of salvation. It's a typical thing. It's not just easy. Salvation is offered to me freely. Or maybe because it's not anything that is of material value. Right? It's not money. It's not an appointment. You know, you know, I mean a job opportunity. It's not some opportunity for business. You know, I struggle with it. Alright? I, I, I query it, I doubt it, I, you know, kind of contemplate and procrastinate and, you know, pull strings left, right and, left, right and center. Would this really, is this going to add anything to my life? What, what is this salvation thing? What is it all about? Would it really add value to my life? So it took, I mean, it takes real persuasion either of men or the Holy Spirit for us like hardened criminals to turn our lives to Jesus Christ. It takes persuasion, real persuasion. Somebody may need to persuade us. Or the Holy Spirit, you know, from inside is pushing you and I every now and then. You know, he's at work on me every day. There's life for you. Take life. If you don't take life, you will take death. If you don't take life, you will take, you know, <laughs> destruction. If you don't take life, you will take the other thing that will not help you. And so some persuasion from inside you know, of by men who love you and who long that you become a Christian, you know. And so being born into a Christian family, I mean, does not automatically offer salvation either. It doesn't offer automatic salvation. It is not hereditary. Salvation is not hereditary. Alright? It is a personal choice and a personal decision that you and I must take. Our children must take. Anyone related to us might take. Our friends must take. It has to be personal choice and a personal decision. You must personally carry your legs and walk over to Jesus and say, Lord, here am I. Have me. And when you walk to him, you do not risk rejection. And therefore salvation, uh, therefore salvation he has said. For salvation Jesus has said, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Verse 37 of chapter 6. The one who comes to me, I will nowhere in no way cast out. Alright? The one who comes to me does not need to declare any status. If you want to come to Jesus for the sake of your life, for the sake of your salvation, you don't have to declare a previous status. He's not interested in that. Just go to him as you are. As dirty as we are. As dirty as I am. As dirty as you are. Go to Jesus as you are, and He takes you, He accepts you as you are. You know, just go to Him as in the strange that you are in, the strange of sin. Just add to your sin the Lord of a belief or the, the slot of faith. So that getting to Jesus, your status changes as He accepts you automatically. He will accept you. Like He said to Zacchaeus and his household. When he took himself to him, today salvation has come 
to this house because he also is the son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost Luke 19 9 and 10 alright you, you only risk your salvation or risk losing your salvation when you refuse to come to Jesus Christ so the question now is have I really come to Jesus have I gone to Christ for the cleansing power in the words of the hymn writer right have, I, have you gone to Christ with the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the lamb are your garments clean are they pure as no are you saved in other words Am I saved in other words? Have I grasped the salvation? The gift of salvation? Have I taken possession of it? Have I taken hold of it? When Christ comes today, shall he find me? Shall he find you? Shall he find us? Ready candidates for eternal life. When he comes now, suppose something suddenly changes now and this world is no more what it is. And we find ourselves in a different realm entirely. And there is Christ picking up his own. Will you and I be picked? Will any one of us be picked? Are we set for that picking? Are we set for that life with Christ? Are we in his hands right now? Because that's what it will take. Where we are, the position which we are in our faith now will determine where we will be when Christ comes. That's what will happen. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 38 of Matthew, I mean, John chapter 6. And what is this will of him who sent Jesus? That all that has been given him, given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise them up to the last day, or on the last day. Raise them up on the last day. Verse 39b. The will of him who sent him is that he may seek and save that which was lost. You and I, you know, will ease Jesus' Jesus assignment when like the early disciples, without procrastination, without doubts, without any inquiries, and waste of time, admit and submit to Jesus' invitation to come and follow him. When we believe and accept his proposals, on face side, we ease his job. We ease the job of the son sent into the world to grab you and I who are lost in sin. People who are struggling in a world that is so much, you know, offers so much of, you know, attraction, but less of life, life eternal specifically. But again, a father may desire a thing for his children, but even with daily persuasions, they may never accept such offers when they are left to their choice unless their hearts get so persuaded and convinced of the need for those things you are offering them. We may give our children this, but they reject. I mean, when we are growing children, particularly, you see, we give them a certain thing and they throw it away. They, they just grab it and throw it away completely. It means they don't like it. <laughs> 
And so we, we take persuasion. And sometimes even in the sea of it, you still see them not accepting what you're offering them. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, even children, pastor's children reject Christ. Openly reject Christ. You struggle with them. You want to give them life. There's life in it, but you see them choosing a different life entirely. A life that is not even working for them. That's what they go for. They go for a choice of life that kills. A life that steals. A life that destroys. That's what they go for. Even pastor's children. Unfortunately, when you talk to them, they will say, well, their children, David Pupujara will say, their children like any other child. And they choose what they want to choose. It is sad. It is really sad that when you see someone struggling to kill themselves and you seek to, you know, kind of rescue them from that, they reject your rescue efforts. It's a sad situation. It's not sweet at all. Alright? It's never sweet. So, also, it's the heart of a man. The children, you need to persuade them. So, also, it's the heart of a man. You know, the heart of a man will, is still wanting in the strength of the flesh and blood. And uh, the offer of salvation, you know, becomes a struggle. Anyone whose heart is still waxing in the strength of the flesh and this, you know, body and the flesh and blood finds it difficult to accept the offer of salvation. You just see a man, you know, somebody who is, has nothing to do with anything that has to do with God and talk to them. Someone will tell you what's wrong with my life. You see everything wrong with their life. It's not even working for them, even in, in this life. <laughs> but they would say nothing is wrong with their life. I mean, that is not, that's, that's, that cannot be true. God didn't just bring you and I into the world to, to waste away. We must be relevant here so we can go back to him eternally. Useful people. People who can live with him, who people should live with him and live with him forever and ever. So unless the word of God through the Holy Spirit, touches the eye of man with the salve of its power. The salve of its power permeates the heart with divine inspiration or impartation and retains the test of life from human to heavenly test, from carnal to spiritual test, and from ephemeral to eternal test. Accepting salvation remains a risk factor to his eternity. No degree of education, no measure of affluence and worldly influence, and no power human, you know, no power and human connections, no matter how powerful, can drag a man to accepting salvation unless the Holy Spirit finds his way into their hearts and works on them. It is only when the Holy Spirit comes with power and overshadows the flesh and blood that we are, covering us with his wings, that he that we bow down in total submission like Mary saying, Behold, thy maid servant, or the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. She was struggling, Mary was struggling herself. She said, How could this be? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will endure you. Alright? And he will go ahead to walking in you in this manner. 
The Holy Spirit is the only one that really can give us, deliver us from the hands of Satan and hand us over to Jesus Christ. Jesus needs you and I. Salvation is not for his benefit. Salvation is not for Jesus' benefit. It's for my benefit. It's not for somebody else's benefit. It's for your benefit. It's a personal benefit thing. It will benefit me, benefit you only. At the end of the day, that's why it's personal. A personal decision and a personal choice. But friends, what could be better than being saved? What is it that could be better than being saved? Is there anything in this life that could be better than being saved? Right. Right. All right. So every same person wants a life that is safe in this life, right? We want a life that is safe. All of us here want to be safe. We want to live in safe areas, safe, you know, offices, safe relationships and all of that, right? All right? That's, that's what we want in this life. We, so we look for a safe spouse, a spouse that is safe to live with, a family that is safe to live in. A state, maybe a world state, you know, like Alabama, that is safe to live in. Are we there? <laughs> a country that is safe to live in and a world that is safe to live in. That's what we're looking for. It means then that salvation is good. Living safe is good. So, if that's the case, why would we love to live in a world that is safe but do not wish our lives saved eternally? You want to live in this world that is safe. But you do not want to be saved eternally. That's, that's, that's you know. <laughs> I mean, the question that we keep, we must ask every now and then. Why am I desiring to live in this life, this world? I want to live in safety. Alright? Do we reject, I mean, do we just want to live in this place? Or in a place that is safe just to live long and then die? Alright? Because that's the desire of some people. Because we will surely die anyway. No matter how long we live, we will die someday. So, do we just want to live long? In a safe place? And then to die? And say we have lived very long in this life. Do we just want to live long? Then die and perish? Because if you live long in this life and live long without Christ, you die here, you perish eternally. Right? When I live long in this life and I'm without Christ in me, no matter how long I live, if I live 150 years, I will I die and perish because I am Christless. But if I choose to live safe and live long in this world and Christ lives in me, I die no matter how long I live. I have eternal life waiting for me. I am ushered into eternity with Christ at the end of the day. He opens me into a new life and an endless life, for that matter. Alright? This is the question. We want to live long and perish. Hear what the Word of God says. What, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I mean, yes, his own soul or life. Mark 8.36 what will, it pro- what will it gain? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or life? What is the what is the profit? You have gained the whole world. Okay, I've gained the whole world, living in the whole in the world for 150 years, right? 
So I gained the whole world. Let, let's assume that I live all of those years in affluence and in good health. Then suddenly die. And then die living all of those years in all of that affluence, in all of that comfort without Christ and eventually die. Where do I go next? Hell. The place of destruction. The place of eternal doom. The place where it's all a crying and gnashing of te- tears. You know, I mean, a gnashing of teeth rather. It's tears and gnashing of teeth. Jesus' gift to us is abundant life. He said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. But the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10.10 10. Christ's offer to you and me is abundant life. His promise to us is life eternal, is salvation, is life that will never end. When the evil one steals us on earth, he kills every test and quest you know, um, for godliness in us. And gradually walks on to destroy us to destruction. The losing of abundant life. The losing of eternal life. The losing of that life that is immortal. That's what he does. When the devil comes, he steals. He steals life and steals every quest and every test for anything godly in you and I. Look at anyone who is living carnally. Look at anyone who is living just in the world. Look at anyone who is just living and thinking of no eternity. And you will notice that Every test for godliness has been stolen by the devil in their lives. Because they have no, no reason to want to think in the direction of eternity. Direction of God. Can I do anything for the sake of God? It's not there in their lives. They may be morally sound, but are godless people. Alright? That is what we see around. How do you take God's promise of salvation, dear brothers and sisters? How do we, how are we taking this promise of God's salvation? How are we taking it? Do you believe it? Do I believe it? Do we believe it? Do you doubt or believe it? Remember that God, like a loving father, loves you and me. He loves you and me, like a loving father. Loves you and me. Know that he does not want you to perish. God does not want me to perish. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want us to perish. We, will, we must not perish. But wants us to have everlasting life. The life that is not terminal or mortal. The life that is not just short. But the one that is long and endless. He wants us to live this mortal life and to go into immortality. The life that will free you and me from diseases. No more cancer, as in my case. When this life will be over, there will be no more cancer. Right? As I'm struggling with right now. No more dementia. Dementia, right? No more high blood pressure. No more diabetes and all of the sicknesses that are, you know, really crowding and clipping, killing human beings today. Is there anything right now standing in your way to this life, the life eternal? 
Do I have anything standing between me and life eternal? The offer of salvation. Is there something? You know, some wage, some wall, you know, some hurdle. Is there something, you know, hindering, impeding, you know, sort of stopping me from grasping this eternal life? What could it be? And would you like to hand that over to Jesus Christ right now? And right away? Where there is physical challenge to your health and to your life, do you wait? Do you waste time? Do you contemplate or procrastinate? Do you not swing into action right away? Do you not call your doctor immediately and set up an appointment with him? If we have a physical challenge to our health and to our life, a threat to my life and to your life, and we are with the privilege, don't we just ring our doctor, call them, and put them on a, you know, just make an appointment with them? Is that not what we do? That's how I go to this, to, to, to St. Vincent's anyway. There was a threat to my life. It was telling on me already. And you know, an emergency call had to be made. And that's how I go to the hospital the following day, which I told you last week, Sunday. Right? And, and there am I being walked on. And physically, by the grace of God, I'm coming out. That's why I would stand here to teach <laughs> this morning. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so praise the Lord for that. You know? That's what we don't, don't just do, just, you know, when you look at, compare our eternal life to this life which is ephemeral, which is temporal. The investment on this life we make on this life is so huge, man. So huge. Compared to what we invest for eternity's sake, the investment we make for this life is so huge. A good part of our time and our resources and our thinking is more on this life than the life eternal. Yet this is temporal. And the one to come is eternal. Would we learn to give time to the Lord Jesus every now and then? Would we learn to hand over our lives to him for our safety, for our salvation, for our eternity? In fact, for our life now and even life thereafter. Because abundant life will begin here. The Christian that you and I here are meant to begin to enjoy this abundant life here. The abundance of life, the abundance of this life. It's meant to be enjoyed right here. But our hands must be in the hands of Jesus. So that as we walk on together, you know, while we are already, you know, taking advantage of life here on earth, we are longing for that which is to come eternally. We are inching towards that which is to come eternally. We are walking towards that which is to come eternally. We are going nearer, you know, and dragging far away from this world and nearer eternity. For because every day you and I live, that's what it takes. That your journey and mine to eternity is closer than it, it all began. <laughs> Are we there? Will we soon be there? Will we far away? Will we far gone from the world and this world and all that it offers? And we'll soon be there. And we just have to be there. I don't want us to be in the wrong place at the end of the day. I don't want us to end up in the hands of Satan at the end of the day. I don't want any one of us to end up in hell when we should end up in paradise with Christ Jesus. You know, I mean, so, how less 
could you treat your life, the need for life eternal? Go to Jesus. Alright? Right now, if you have something standing between you and your salvation, treat it as an emergency. At any time, at any hour, Jesus is ready to listen to us. Do we not pray just any moment, any time? If Jesus is not ready to listen to us, why are we praying every now and then? We are so sure that he listens to us, that he's listening. Just at any critical moment at all, you wake up from sleep suddenly, and you find yourself not sleeping, and you begin to pray. Who are you praying to? Why are you praying? Why would you want to be talking to somebody? Are you, if you were making a phone call on somebody that hour, would they listen to you? Would they really listen to you? You are connecting heaven in the middle of the night. Connecting heaven at odd hours, at odd moments, and you believe heaven is listening to you. Heaven is listening, and heaven will attend to you. Will not just listen, but will attend to you at the end of the day. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is 24 hours on duty every day. He doesn't go to sleep. He doesn't slumber. You just need to wake him up if he must be slumbering, like we saw in the, we see in the course of you know the wind, you know the the, the ship as they were moving across the sea that day with his disciples. They just knocked on his door, woke him up, and the situation was taken care of. I pray the Lord will help us that our focus on eternity will not be in jeopardy for any reason. I will keep a straight focus, an unshaken focus, an unwavering focus on the issue of salvation. It's offered to me and you already. It's all for us to grasp. Are we ready to grasp that? Are we ready to take it? Are we ready to sincerely possess it? Because it's your possession and mine. Are we ready for it? I pray that the Lord will give us the grace to do just that. For the sake of his name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.